1015, how we doing today? Well, there's seven of you in here. 1015, how we doing today? A little better, a little better. Hey, before we get started, there's a couple things I want to I go over with us. The first one is this. Listen, if you are a multiplier in the room, um, what do we call multipliers? If you haven't been here long, anytime, or if you haven't been here long, anytime we say multipliers, we're talking about our volunteers. So if you're a multiplier in the room, if you serve on any team or you've ever served on any team, on December 11th, right in this theater, we're having our multipliers banquet from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Man, it's just a time for us to celebrate. We want to honor you guys. We want to celebrate you guys. So if you are a multiplier, make sure you mark your calendars for that. Uh, We're going to have some comedy. We're going to have some good food. And honestly, we're just going to have a good time. Second thing that I need to mention, Brittany's already mentioned it a bit, but it's our candy walk that's coming up. Um, No no joke, there will be over a thousand families that make their way through that candy walk. Like that, that in and of itself absolutely blows my mind. And since we've been here, it's been an opportunity for us to step into the community. Sure, we're handing out some bags of candy, but what we love to do is hand out those come sit with me cards to every parent that will take them from us. And, and what I know is this, there's people in this church today because we volunteered and, and we, uh, we were at the candy walk years ago. There's families in this church today because of how we serve in our community. So that, that's why we kind of engage in that. But over the last seven weeks, we've been in our last days series. It's hard to believe that it's already been seven weeks, but we've been in this series for seven weeks. And if you're new here, or maybe you've missed a week, I always kind of give a, a brief update at the beginning of the service. So, so let me give us our update. And I said this in first service, the reason that I kind of go through what we've talked about is I hope that repetition sticks in your head. I hope that if you find yourself in your day-to-day life, if you find yourself at work, if you find yourself talking to a friend and they bring up the book of Revelation, uh, you're able to kind of throw out some of these things that you've learned. But what we know about the book of Revelation is this, is that we can't be afraid of the book. Just because we don't fully understand it doesn't mean that we're not called to dive into it. Doesn't mean that we just get to skip over it because we don't understand what it's talking about. But ultimately, what we've learned is this. The book of Revelation is just a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. So the more we dive into this book, the more that we learn about the characteristics of Jesus. Again, if we're not careful, we can focus on the mark of the beast, we can focus on the antichrist, we can focus on when Jesus is coming back, and and there's all these different nuances in the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation, but what we realize is this, we always have to keep Jesus the main thing. Regardless of the book that we're reading, Jesus is the main thing. I don't care if you read starting in the Old Testament or halfway through the Old Testament or the beginning of the New Testament or the end of the New Testament. Jesus is always the main thing. And there's something that we can learn from each of the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. The first one that we looked at was the the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus taught us that we are called to remember, repent, and revive. We're, We're called to remember the good times. We're called to remember when God has been faithful. We're called to remember the things and the challenges that God has pulled us out of. For some reason in our life, we like, we pray to God, like, God, you got to get me out of this. And we pray these deep, heartfelt prayers. And then once he pulls us out of a situation, it's like, hey, thanks, God. Like, we give him like this little high five. But we're pouring our heart out to him. God, you've got to show up in this situation when it's hard. But we, we, we do a crappy job at remembering of, remembering everything that God has brought us through. Man, do you remember those moments that God has pulled you out of? Do you remember those moments that God stepped into the middle of your marriage and your marriage was revived? 
Do, do you remember when God stepped into that doctor's appointment and you got the, the updated report? Do you remember when you were having trouble having kids and, and all of a sudden you found out you were pregnant? Do you, remember, do you remember the heartfelt cry when you were crying out those painful prayers? Do you celebrate and remember the same way you hurt? And then we were reminded that we're called to repent. We repent for where we fall short. We repent for where we need to say, I'm sorry for me in my life. It's those times that I have to say, hey, God, I'm sorry. I thought I was good enough to do this by myself. I'm sorry. I thought I was good enough to keep this area of my life away from you. Like, God, I can give you all the hard stuff. I, I can take care of these little areas by myself. No, what I've realized is I have to repent because I need God in every single aspect of my life. So we remember, we repent, and then we revive. Do what you once did. What did we once do? And do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first kind of got out of that baptism tank, when you were excited, you were zealous for the Lord, when you were living on fire for God, when you were using every resource that God has given you to expand the kingdom? That, that's what we learn from the church of Ephesus. And then we stepped into the church of Smyrna. And Smyrna taught us that we're all going to experience suffering. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life that I've experienced suffering. And I'm like, God, I don't deserve this nonsense. Like, I don't deserve to be going through this, and, and, and that's what we'll do. We'll kind of negotiate with God. Like, God, I don't, I don't deserve to be suffering. But all of us will experience suffering at some moment in time. And then we stepped into the church of Pergamum. And the church of Pergamum taught us that single-edged sword Christianity leads to compromise. That if we're going to talk about the grace of Jesus, then we have to talk about sin. If we're going to talk about the mercy of Jesus, then we have to talk about judgment. It's a double-edged sword. We don't just get the good stuff and have to leave or kind of not talk about the stuff that makes us uncomfortable. We have to talk about the fullness of the Bible. And what we understand is this. When you get your life on track, the enemy feels threatened. What we also understand is when you get your marriage on track, the enemy feels threatened. When you get your finances on track, the enemy feels threatened. When you get your relationships on track, the enemy feels threatened. When you have discipline in your life to follow Jesus, the enemy will always feel threatened. And then we stepped into the church of Sardis, and it taught us that looks can be deceiving. Pastor Keith uh, was up here last week, and he talked about when he was on the starting line of a Spartan race, and he kind of looked to his right, and there was a guy that just didn't look the part. He was like, there's no way this joker is going to outrun me. And about halfway through the race, Keith realized that that dude was like outpacing him and was going to beat him in the race. Now, I have to say this. He's not here this morning, so I'm going to talk about him a little bit. But some of y'all felt the same way about Keith. And if you were on the men's retreat, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We started playing football. I picked him first over everybody else. And y'all were like, why in the world is he picking? Is that just because it's his best friend? Like he just started. And then he caught anything and everything over anybody and everybody. There wasn't anybody that could guard him. I, I will put money on it. That there, I'm not saying I'm a pastor that bets, but I will put money on it. That there's nobody in this room that can guard Keith, especially if I'm throwing the ball to him. We've just played together for so long. Justin's like, yeah, right. Come to the men's retreat next year and I'll show you. Like, if you were on the men's retreat, you saw, is Charles in here? I don't think he is. I'll talk about Charles, too. Y'all saw the catch over Charles. We have a video of it. It was nasty. Had three to four people walk up to me like, man, Keith, I didn't think Keith was that athletic. He didn't look that athletic. And then we were at the, we were at the kickball tournament uh, last week or a week and a half ago. And I had three people walk up to me. One of them walked up to our whole team and was like, hey, what league do y'all play in? Well, we don't play in a league. We just play for fun. And then I had, I had two other people walk up to me. They were like, hey. Who was that guy in the outfield? I'm like, which one? We were all athletes. You know, I'm trying to talk a little junk. 
And they're like, no, the one that was really fast, he was shorter than everybody else, but he caught absolutely everything. I was like, oh, that's my brother-in-law, that's Keith. He goes, I didn't think he was going to be that athletic. Like, that's what, that's what the church of Sardis taught us, that looks can be deceiving. See, the church at Sardis, they looked like they had it all together on the outside, but on the inside, they were absolutely falling apart. Looks can be deceiving. And now, here, here's what we, there, this is what I know. Why do, we, why do we harp on coming to church so much? Keith said it like this this past week. We refuse to be a part of a church that's spiritually dead. That, that's why we harp on Sunday morning. That's why Sunday mornings are important. Why do we tell everybody in this room, hey, you need to be a part of a group? It's because we don't want you to live spiritually dead. And we know Monday through Saturday is hard. Life can be hard sometimes. It can kick you in the teeth. And sometimes you just need people beside you to help pull you up and pull you forward. Man, why, why do we preach the fullness of the Bible? It's because we refuse to allow people to live spiritually dead lives. It's, it's, it's got to be time for the church to understand that we have this rightful place, that we have to kick the enemy in the mouth and to expand the kingdom of God. Like some of us need to remind the devil of his place in our life. You're allowing the devil to kind of like lord over you, but the reality of it is he's already lost. Like, like, that's, like read, read the end of the book. Read the end of the Bible. He's already lost, and all he's trying to do is to pull you down as far as he can before Jesus comes back. And that's what we're understanding through the book of Revelation. Now, that's just an overview of the churches that we've stepped into. So today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 18. To the church in Thyatira, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Verse 19, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceeded the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Like that just, that just sounds ugly, right? Like you, to you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and its teachings and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Verse 22, behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into a great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Jesus always gives us a way out. He says, listen, you don't have to be perfect, just repent. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Here's, here's some bonus content from, for today. I want to read that last little bit. And I will give to each of you according to their works. For some reason, when we step into the church, we're like, hey, I'm just going to follow Jesus. What I, really do, what I do with my life doesn't really matter. As long as I say I follow Jesus, I'm good to go. As long as I step into a relationship with Jesus, I get my get-out-of-hell-free card, and I don't really have to do anything else. But Scripture also tells us that faith without works is what? It's dead. Your actions actually matter. Your day-to-day -day life actually matters. We want to live for these big moments in our life. We want to live for the big celebrations in our life, but, but what we know is this, our day-to-day -day matters. The mundane matters. How you wake up and greet your spouse in the morning, it matters. How you walk into your workplace, it matters. How you take care of, of your neighbor or people who are hurting around you, it absolutely matters. What we do matters. Are you just coming into church and consuming so you'll feel good and get the checkbox marks, or are you actually serving? 
Are you actually tithing? Are you actually building the kingdom of God? What we do absolutely matters. Verse 24, we'll pick up. That's just the bonus content. That's not even the, the points. I'm going I'm to say like Sam does. Don't shout me down. <laughs> I'm going to start stealing that one. I'm going to start like coming over here and be like, oh, I'll sit right here and be like, oh, that's good, pastor. Keep going. <laughs> Man, that's a good point, pastor. Man, keep reading. Like, I'm going to start shouting myself down. Like, okay, if you're new to this church, we're different. Okay, talk back to me, please. I'm not saying you got to make me feel good about myself, but let's engage. I, I'm going to, listen, I, I will put this down for just a second. Here's the problem with churches. I'm not, I mean, this is something different. Here's the problem with churches. We come to church, and it's like, all right, I'm going to sit in my little chair. I'm going to listen to the pastor. I'm just going, all right, I'm good. Okay, that's cool. That's a good point. That's good. But church is so much more than that. Community is so much more than that. I'm not saying, like, shout me down so I feel good about myself. But, but as we communicate with each other, as we realize that we're all just normal people going through this thing called life, I promise you it will make it easier to follow Jesus. I, I promise it, that following Jesus will, will feel like something more than just checking a box. It's about stepping into each other's lives. I'm tired of, of going into churches across America and people are just sitting there like, like they, they, they're wondering why they even walked in the door to start with. And in, in the back of their mind, I should have stayed home today. In the back of their mind, they're like, this kind of sucks. Why am I here? Like, I mean, those thoughts, like, it's because of the way we approach church. Church wasn't made to be approached as something that was stagnant. Church wasn't made to be approached as something that's dead. If the Bible says that the word of God is living, breathing, and active, that means that the church has to be living, breathing, and active. We have to be a living, breathing, active church. That's why I like when I say, hey, turn and greet two or three people. And like, hey, if you don't know somebody, tell them your name. I say that same line every single week. And I know some of y'all in this room still don't know the person sitting next to you. Y'all don't know their name. Every week, y'all sit on the same row. You don't know their name. Dude, introduce yourself. Get to know people. What, what frustrates me, I'll, I'll get to my notes in a second. But what, I'm, I'm on my soapbox right now. What frustrates me more about church is this. People will say stuff like, oh, I just never got involved in that church. It's because you never tried. People will say things, well, that church doesn't have something that I like. It's because you never got in a group. People will say something like, well, I just, I just don't like the worship. It's because you walk in 15 minutes late and only hear one, like the back end of one song. Like, for real. Can I be honest? I don't, want, I don't want to just come to church just to come to church. I want to come to church because I want it to impact your life. I want you to come to church because there's something inside of you that resonates with Jesus that you're trying to build this relationship. Even if you don't understand it, that's okay. Okay, let's get back to the, the notes here. That was a soapbox. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Verse 19. Let me get back on track. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceeded the first. So these people are a part of a community that I think we all actually strive to be a part of. Like, we, we want to be a part of this type of community. I want to be a part of a loving church. Man, I, I want to be a part of a faith-filled church. I want to be a part of a church that endures hardship. I want to be a part of a generational church. I want to be a part of a growing church. I want to be a part of the type of church that Thyatira was. But Jesus says this in verse 20, and this is where the, flip, like the, the switch flips for me anyway. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. I'm not going to lie. When I read that, I was like, all right, that's cool. Like, what's that even mean? 
So, so who, who is Jezebel? Well, we'll think back through scripture. Jezebel and Elijah aren't far apart. Jezebel and Elijah were both prophets. Now let's hear from the great theologian George Lucas. Okay, the people that laugh, you have a special place in my heart because you know who George Lucas is. But go ahead and throw that picture on the screen. For those of you who don't know who George Lucas is, maybe you'll find Jesus one day. It's the guy that wrote Star Wars, all right? But it's like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. They're not far apart. I'm going to nerd out a little bit. They both had this force. One used it for good. One used it for evil. It's the same thing with Jezebel and Elijah. They were both prophets. One was a prophetess. One was a prophet. But they, one used it for good, Elijah. The other used it for evil, Jezebel. But this is what blows my mind about the church at Thyatira. Scripture says that, you, that they tolerated it. They weren't practicing sexual immorality. They weren't the ones eating food sacrificed to idols. They weren't even involved in any of it. But verse 20 says, you tolerated it. You tolerated. The word tolerate is the one that scares the nonsense out of me. I don't have to do it. I just have to put up with it. I I don't have to be involved in it. I'll I'll just put up with it. What sin in your life are you tolerating? What are we tolerating in our society? See, sin is a funny thing. I would suggest, I would suggest this, that the church, one of the purposes of the church is to call out sin. But, but, th- but here's the deal. Not to call sin, sin. We call sin, sin to always point them to Jesus. If you're just a Facebook vigilante calling out sin, I would say this. You're actually sinning probably more than the person that's, that's doing whatever you're trying to call out. We're called to always point people to Jesus. Listen, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. That's Okay. But what we have to do is talk about the hard things that we walk through in life, talk about the sin in our life so that we can always point people to Jesus. But, but we take it a step further. This is where I think we mess up as Christ followers. We, buy, we bypass sin by saying things like, let people love who they want to love. Let people act the way they want to act. Let people just say what they want to say. Let people just do what they want to do. That's, that's their decision. Let them make it. And, and I'm just going to play the background. I'll, I'll just take care of my myself. Because I can't, we say things like, I, I can't say anything. Because if I say something, then maybe they'll get offended. And if they get offended, maybe I'll be the reason they don't like Jesus. And if they don't like Jesus, they, oh, I know they'll never come into the church. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let the church do what the church is supposed to do. Here's the problem. We are the church. The church isn't a building. So if you're not doing it, then who's going to do it? But it's not just to call someone out, to call them out. It's to point them to Jesus. Hear my heart. Hear my heart. It's always to point them to Jesus. I I don't fully understand everything, but I know the person that does. If you want my advice about anything, if you don't want to hear the name Jesus, don't come to me with your problems. If you come to me with your problems, people say, Zach, you always go straight to the Bible. Yeah, I do. Zach, you always try to pull up scripture. Yeah. I want to start with scripture. I want to start with the Bible. I want to start with what God says. I don't want to start with my own opinion. If anyone's giving you advice and starting with their own opinion, go get somebody else's opinion. I mean, that's the problem in our society is that we're pinging back and forth on these other people and these other people's opinions opposed to what the word of God says. Hey, would you be so bold enough to say in in a conversation when you don't have the answer, don't try to make something up. Listen, I don't know. Let's go find out the, the answer together in scripture. Don't just try to come up with something to make yourself sound good. I'm really on some soapboxes today because this is nowhere in my notes. 
me read so I know where I am. Okay, here we go. As Christ followers, we have to talk about sin not to condemn people, but to point people to Jesus. Look, it was in there. Let me tell you, let me tell you about this past week. Uh, y'all ever had like one of those hellish weeks? Like, like one of those weeks that you're like, dear God, what's going on? Somebody, Alex, you're feeling me right now. Like, that's what I mean. You, hey, here's the deal. You're saying what everybody else is thinking. And everybody's like, yeah, I have one. I'm having one. I'm in the middle of one. But let me, let me tell you like the last nine days of my life. Y'all are my personal counseling session right now. Uh, but, but here's the deal. Uh, so not this past Friday, but almost a week and a half ago, uh, on, on Friday evening, my trip to Nicaragua got canceled because there's a, there was a hurricane coming through. And I'll give you guys some more updates on that. Uh, in short, everyone's safe. Uh, the long story of it is we got a lot of work to do when we go back down there. But everyone's safe. I'm a person that I can, I, can, um, I can go with the punches. It's not the big stuff, like the big changes that, that like get under my skin. It's the little stuff. Anybody, anybody else like that? It's like the little things that get, get under your skin because that, that's me. Like the trip being canceled, that's okay. We, we kind of made some, some different plans for the weekend. One of those plans is we wanted to go see my niece Kalia play soccer. And the problem is we, we were planning on being there for the full hour of her game but there's this thing called the Renaissance Festival, and the traffic sucks, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you. So if you're planning on going anywhere, make sure you get around that traffic. We ended up showing up to the game, and I think we watched, like, may- maybe 15 minutes of the game. May- like, maybe. So I'm frustrated. Like, I'm frustrated walking my daughter in, like, we, we should have been here an hour ago. Like, sitting there, go Kalia! Like, you know, I'm trying, to, like, I'm trying to fake it, you know. And then, like, this past week, my daughters didn't feel good. My wife didn't feel good. They had, like, some junk going on with their eyes and, like, some congestion. They're all good now. They're not contagious, all right? So, yes, I brought my kids to school today or to church today. I had to pick them up from school this past week. Like, that was another thing that got out. Like, what do you mean we got to pick her up? Like, she's fine. I promise the doctor said she wasn't, like, contagious. She's fine. Let her just stay at school, please. We need a break. <laughs> and by we, I mean Jenna because I promise you she deals with it more than I do. I was going to hear about that one later if I didn't throw that line in there. <laughs> I think the people sitting there like felt her look at me like, what do you mean we needed a break? <laughs> I needed I love you, babe. But then Tuesday, I'm progressing through the week, all right? So Tuesday, I go to play pickleball. We have this league. I put my stuff, like I'm a creature of habit. I'm the guy that could eat the same thing every day for lunch. Like I'm the guy that could eat the same meal every, you know, I put my stuff in the same spot all the time. So we get to the pickleball courts. I place my phone, my keys, my chapstick, and my water. Like, I have, this, I have this thing down, right? And at the end of the night, like, I go to pick up my stuff, and I grabbed all my stuff, and when I got to my truck, I realized I didn't have my keys. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I just left them over at the fence. So I go back to the fence, and no keys. Here's the problem with the courts that we play on. The lights automatically turn off at 10 o'clock. It was 9.52. And I'm, like, looking for my keys. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, I got to back up. I, didn't, I, I missed part of the story. Okay, so I left my, my truck at Holbrook Park. This is why that ticked me off more than anything. Rewind to Saturday. Jenna and I, after the soccer game, we're supposed to go to another, another event. We're driving down the interstate. Jenna's car breaks down on the interstate. So we're down to one car, and then I lost my keys to the only car that we had. And then Wednesday morning, I get a phone call. Hey, we found your keys. Like They're at the... Um, they're at the, uh, the Parks and Rec Center, so I went to grab my keys. And as I was driving to get my keys, I get a call from the dealership where we drop Jenna's car off. Hey, Mr. Witt, good news, bad news. Good news, your car can be fixed. Bad news, it's going to be $29,000. I said, huh? I literally, huh? You mean $2,900? No, Mr. Witt, I meant $29,000. Sir, you can keep the car. 
$1,000 to fix a $10,000 car. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not buying one from y'all now. You just ticked me off. Like, I'm like, y'all can, y'all can keep it. So all, all of this comes to a head Wednesday night. It's the, it was the little things that kept piling and piling and piling and piling and piling. Wednesday night, to be honest with you, Jenna and I got into a fight, like a fight fight. Not like a, not like a little argument, like, oh, that was cute. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We went to bed mad. I'm going to be honest with you. We went to bed mad. Here's the problem with that story. I had to wake up Thursday morning to go to my men's group, and the book that we're studying is on healthy marriages. So I'm waking up mad because I got to go talk to these guys about how my marriage is like we're arguing right now. Before I back out of my driveway, I text my wife. I'll be honest with you. The first text, I was still mad. I was like, I can't believe. And I hit sin. I was like, crap. That was the wrong text message. Baby, I'm sorry. I love you. I messed up. You know, I had had to apologize. And then she didn't respond because she was asleep. After the Bible study, we always go to breakfast. So I'm like, you know what? I'm bringing her breakfast. So I'm like, babe, I'm bringing. I, I literally said, I need some brownie points. I'm bringing you breakfast and coffee. <laughs> and I'm bringing breakfast for the girls. Here's the problem. She still didn't respond. I think she was still asleep. But I, <laughs> I'm telling myself she was still asleep. <laughs> I'm telling myself that, right? Oh, can I just be, I'm just being real. Like, I, I hate it when people, again, I hate it when people come to church and it's like, not real. No, no, this is real life. I'm not talking 10 years ago. Let me tell you about my marriage 10 years ago. No, no, no. This was last week. This was this past Wednesday. But I, I, had, to, I had to apologize. Zach, where, where are you going with this? Sometimes I think if we're not careful, we'll actually tolerate the little things in our life that start to build up opposed to addressing them. I, I could have tolerated my actions. In fact, I'm really, really good at tolerating my actions. I'm actually really good at justifying my actions. Anybody else there? Well, I acted like this because of X, Y. And, and you better believe if you try to come to me with a rebuttal, I'm like, I, I am, I'm going to be a Supreme Court justice and I've got my points in order. Like, you're not going to win the argument. But we learn to tolerate where we fall short in our lives. Verse 20, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. But this is, this is where it can get a little sticky. What was Jezebel? Again, she was a prophetess that led to sexual immorality. And we could have this thought that when we read this scripture, oh, I'm good, because that doesn't apply to me. I'm good because I'll talk to people about sin. I'm good because in my personal life, I'm not afraid of having hard conversations. I'm not afraid to talk about mainstream topics. I'm not afraid to voice my opinion or or give some advice on abortion. I'm not afraid to, to to not tolerate transgender shows with kids' presence. Like I'm not afraid to call that junk out. I'm I'm not afraid to have hard conversations. So I'm good. This scripture doesn't apply to me. But we'll say things like this. I'm an Enneagram 7, so I just want it my way. No, you're just a narcissist. Or we'll say things like this. I'm an Enneagram 6, so I just want all the facts. No, you're overly anxious and you overreact. We'll say things like, I'm naturally an abrasive person. Uh, I'm naturally an abrasive person, so people just need to love me for me. No, you're just being a jerk. Like, we'll say things like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. No, you're indecisive and you blame it on other people. I'm going to offend everybody, so just hold, hold on. <laughs> we say things like, my spouse should know how to respond to me. No, nobody can read your mind. Until you learn to communicate as a couple, don't expect your marriage to grow deeper. 
We'll say things like this, I work hard and don't get the acknowledgement I should. No, you're too busy doing all the things that no one's asked you to do opposed to actually working on your job. That's why you always feel busy. Nobody asked you to do all the secondary stuff. You're supposed to get your job done. You feel underappreciated because you're not doing your job. You're doing all the stuff that you actually want to do. Everybody's feet okay? I step on some toes. I'm... I, I'll be honest with you, writing this thing, I was like, this is going to suck because I felt bad like preaching this to myself. But I wrote this down, jot this down if you're taking notes. When we tolerate small things in our lives, it becomes blind spots that we get defensive about when people try to address them. What else are you tolerating? You're tolerating your unhealthy, unhealthy eating habits. Pastor, I'm just eating what's in my house. Guess what? You bought it. You put it there. Pastor, I, I, listen, I think some of us, are, we're, we're tolerating bad sleeping habits instead of going to bed at a decent hour. Pastor, I just can't fall asleep at night. No, you scroll on your phone for three hours. That's why you can't sleep. You're tolerating your laziness instead of completing the checklist that you, that you made six months ago. You're just tolerating your spouse instead of working on your marriage. You're tolerating your own anger instead of working on it. We all have something in our life that if we dig a little bit, we're tolerating Here's some free advice. If there's an area in your life that you continually try to share with people to justify and you try to defend it, there's a chance that it's a major blind spot in your life. Tolerance leads to blind spots. So the question is this, how do we move past tolerance that becomes blind spots? The first note that you need to write down is search yourself daily. Psalm 139 verse 23 says this, search me God and know my heart. It's a cute little verse. It reads really well. God, search me and know my heart. I don't want God to search me. I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, like, I do not want God to search my heart. Why? Because if he searches me, he's going to reveal some stuff. And if he reveals some stuff, then I got to deal with it. So if I say, God, don't search me, don't reveal it, I'm going to act like it's not there. And that's how we'll approach life. And we'll say on this base level, our entire life following Jesus, would you be bold enough to say, hey, God, would you search me and tell me if there's anything that I need to get rid of? I I promise you this, though, it doesn't feel good. Like cutting stuff away doesn't feel good. Me working on my marriage sometimes doesn't feel good. Me swallowing my pride, going to my wife Thursday morning and saying, babe, I messed up. I'm sorry. It doesn't feel good. It, it hurts. It makes me realize where I'm broken. It makes me realize where I'm faulty. It makes me realize that I need Jesus every single day. Again, I didn't want to go to the Bible study Thursday morning. And when I went in, we broke out into our small groups. It was about six of us. Like, fellas, I got I to gotta tell you something. Man, I did not have a good night. I fought with my wife. And, and what, what, was, what, was so, what was so kind of refreshing or just whew, like I just got to breathe a little bit is one, I just got to act like a normal person. I didn't have to worry about like my title or what I do for a job. And two, the guys around in our little circle, we broke out. The guys in our circle was like, dude, I've been there. I'm there. We're going through it now. And it's like, man, how, how can we commit to be better? How can we commit to be better husbands? How can we commit to, to not letting our tempers kind of flare up? How can we mit, commit to, to walking through conversations? I'm seeing husbands and wives going, see, see? Sorry if you're in that group with me. You know how I feel. Uh, but <laughs> listen, when we started reading the first chapter, literally there was a couple texts um, that went around like, hey, I, <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't read this book while I'm gone because <laughs> then she's going to know what I'm working on. Did she read it, Stephen? I'm sorry, I called you out. Lisa, read the book. It's good. You'll see what he's working on. Read, read his notes. <laughs> Kelly, did you read it? Have you read the book? No, just read chapter one. You'll see what Ryan's working on. I'm going to start. Who else is in the group? Raise your hand. James. Where's James? I know James there. Oh, I thought he was walking out. He's not in the group. <laughs> James, like, cover. Todd, did you read it? No, read it because you'll see what he's trying to work on in your marriage. 
did you read it, Jenna? Okay, good. Don't read mine. I don't need you to know what I'm working on. <laughs> the second point is this. Let trusted people speak into your life. Trusted people. That, that's the nuance. Don't let people speak into your life. Don't let anyone speak into your life. Let trusted people speak into your life. Do you have people that can pull you to the side and call out your blind spots without you getting offended? Listen, we have to guard ourselves. Again, don't let just anyone speak into your life, but who are the people in your life that you trust that can speak into you? There's, a, there's six guys across the nation. They can call me at any time, ask me any question about my marriage. They can ask me any question about the church. They can ask me any question about my personal life, and, and, and I have to be honest with them. I call them, and we do the same thing back and forth. Hey, how's your marriage? If one of them want to call me this week, hey, how's your marriage? Hey, here's the deal. We're fighting. Hey, how's your church? The church is in a good spot. If I'm not careful, I can overwork sometimes. And I have to be fully vulnerable and fully honest with them. We get together once a year, and what's funny is we'll sit around a fire, we'll start to, to talk about like some, some personal issues or some deeper issues. And we're not a, anybody, I, I said this in the first service, I guess I can say it this one. Anybody ever play the game BS, like the card game BS? Like can anybody call your bluff? Can they call your BS at any moment in your life? Who's the trusted people close to you? I, I would say this. If you don't have two to three people that you could write down on a list right now that are trusted individuals in your life that can call out your junk, then you probably have major blind spots in your life. If you're in this room and you're married and your spouse isn't one of those first three people, you're wrong. Your spouse should be able to talk to you about anything and everything in your life with grace and with peace. That goes both ways. Husbands with grace and with peace. Wives with grace and with peace. Husbands don't come down with an iron fist. Wives don't nag. With grace and with peace, can they talk about anything in your life? Are you moldable and teachable? Number three, write this down. Don't look at what you're losing. Look at what you're gaining. Too often in life, we focus on what we're losing when we, when we follow Jesus. I promise you, you gain much more than you lose. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Following Jesus takes discipline. And if we're not careful, we'll say, I have to give up so much to follow Jesus. What, what, what do you mean I have to read daily? What, what do you mean I have to pray for my spouse and my kids daily? What do you mean I have to pray for my future daily? I don't even have enough time in my life to get my job done. What, what do you mean I'm supposed to tithe 10% of everything that I make to the church? I can barely pay my bills. Maybe, maybe your finances aren't in order. What do, you, what do you mean I have to wait until marriage to have sex? Are you kidding me? I got to give that up? Discipline takes work. But there's a promise that we're given that discipline creates righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. So what happens when we move past tolerance? What happens when we're searched daily? What happens when we allow trusted people to speak to us? What happens when we focus on what we're gaining opposed to what we're losing? If you're taking notes, write this down. You receive new levels of favor. Verse 28 says this, and I will give him the morning star. What's the morning star? It's obscure. You're reading like, what in the world? What's the morning star? Well, the morning star in a very practical sense is the sun. It's literally the star that rises in the morning. The sun in Scripture, anytime we see the sun in Scripture, it's actually a symbol of the favor of God. But it's also Christ himself. The morning star is also the son of God. Revelation chapter 22 verse 16 says this. Christ says, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The morning star is also a reference. I'm going to connect some dots. It's the son of righteousness that we find in Malachi chapter 4 starting in verse 1. The Lord of heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, 
branches and all, all of it, all the wickedness will be consumed. Verse 2, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will thread upon the, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. We tell you a secret that's not really a secret. Y'all, Jesus is coming back. I mean, he's coming. Whether you believe it or not, whether you act like it or not, whether your life exemplifies it or not, he is coming back. But I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and him quote verse 19 to me. I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and it sounds something like this. Zach, I know your works. Zach, I I know your love. Zach, I know your faith. Zach, I know your service. Zach, I know your patient endurance. Zach, I know that your latter works exceeded the first. But Zach, you tolerated too much. Zach, you tolerated society. You tolerated culture. You tolerated sexual immorality. You tolerated, Zach, you tolerated your own blind spots too much. So that's why I have to remind myself daily, Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God. Again, that search is painful. That search hurts. Having things uncovered and unearthed in your life, it doesn't feel good. I think, uh, I think in life, like we, oh, I can, I can make. I'm a tough person. I can make it. I can make it through any. I can make it through any situation, and you probably could. But you know what? You can't make it through. The one thing in life that I think most people can't make it through is silence, and that's because they have to deal with themselves. You can make it through any scenario. You can be the leader. You, you can. You can lead your family through it, you can lead a friend through it, you can do whatever you need to do to get by, but for some reason when it's quiet, you have to deal with the own darkness of your heart and your own insecurities and your own fears and your own failures and it scares the nonsense out of you but when we pray that prayer, God search my heart there's a promise that God that God gives us, he says I want, I want to search you Because I want you to see everything that's wrong in your life so that I can fill in all the gaps, so that I can take all the pain, so I can take all the burden, so that you can carry my yoke instead of yours. God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but He expects us to be searched. So as we step back into worship, and all across this room, if you would stand, you can... You can worship where you are. I, I, I was challenged by this uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was listening. I was listening to a pastor across the country and listening to one of their sermons. And, and he said this. He said, "Oftentimes when we come to church, uh, we we think that just because somebody doesn't lift their hands, just because somebody doesn't fall on their face at the altar, that they're not having a moment with God." Now listen, I believe in stretching people. I believe in like us taking the steps and, and worshiping Jesus. But, but I also believe in this. I also believe that we're called to worship Jesus how we were created to worship Jesus. And we were all created differently. Man, some of you in the room, you're, you're contemplative. 
Some of you in the room, you worship Jesus by your thoughts and how, you, how you're processing even this message right now. Others of you in the room, you're going to lift your hands high. Others of you in the room, you're going to come to the altar. Others of you in the room, you're going to turn around, you're going to kneel down at your chair. That doesn't make one person more spiritual or less spiritual than the next. This is what I would challenge you to do. Let God search your heart in the way that you were created. If you're contemplative, close your eyes and say, God, search me. If you're more of an extrovert, man, come up to the altar. But wherever you are, whatever season you're in, let God search your heart right now. Ask God this. I dare you. Ask God this. God, what am I tolerating in my life that I need to get rid of? Now let's step into worship for just a few minutes. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.